Welcome to Corestruction, a show about the missions, activities, and employees of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. February 20th through February 26th is Engineers Week, and so we're interviewing our engineers to learn more about who they are. Today we have Ian Bonjour. Ian works in our engineering and construction branch in the infrastructure support section. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome to the show, Ian. Thank you. So tell us, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, where are you from originally again? I'm from Stillwater, Oklahoma originally. Grew up there and then stuck around to go to school at OSU. Okay. And when did you decide you, when did you know you wanted to be an engineer? Um, I mean, pretty early on, I was always, you know, tinkering with stuff as a kid, taking stuff apart. And so um, as I got into high school, I was taking some of the more like the AP classes, AP um, uh, different sciences and stuff. And was just, I enjoyed learning that technical side of things. And so um, when it came time to go to college, I, I knew I wanted to do something in engineering. And I actually uh, started out as a mechanical engineer for the first uh, almost year and a half of school. And uh, it was actually thermodynamics that kind of helped me decide that uh, maybe a mechanical engineer wasn't wasn't my cup of tea. And I just kind of, I really liked um, the more physical, like, I mean, the concrete, uh, pardon the pun, but just that hard structures and just um, statics. I enjoyed those classes. And so I made the change over to uh, uh, civil engineering and I've really enjoyed all of it from there. With the people that you, who were in your program, did you find that 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 theme of tinkering with things or taking things apart was pretty common among the the other students or even your the people you work with? Did you did you see that a lot? Yeah, that was I think a fairly common thing. Um, just like I really enjoy the hands on side of things too, and so I think that translates very well into that um, kind of especially for civil engineer where you have the structures and being able to. Um, picture things and build things. And it, it just works really well with the way my mind works. And I feel like that is fairly common, I would say, of of structural engineers. Now, you went to OSU. And, mm-hmm. did, and did you come to work here for the Corps immediately after that? Yes, I did. So um, it was my senior year of college. I, I wasn't sure where I was going to work. Um, I was looking mainly in Oklahoma City and Tulsa um, just to stay kind of close. Uh, and then it was the career fair. I was walking around and I had my list of, you know, three or four different companies. I was like, all right, I've, I've looked into these people. I'm, I'm interested in what they do. And I walk in and I had just come up the escalator. It's in Gallagher-Iba Arena. And I just come up the escalator and, you know, you're always a little nervous. Um, and somebody kind of taps me on the shoulder and we have our name tags that say our name and our degree and what year we are. And someone was like, hey, I uh, see you're a civil engineer. You're graduating in May. And I was like, yeah, like, you want to come talk to us? And it was someone from the Corps. And so I was like, uh, sure. So, I mean, the Corps, honestly, they, they weren't on my list. I didn't know much about them. I mean, I knew that all the lakes were, I mean, not all the lakes, but I knew they operated a bunch of the lakes and had engineers, but that, that was kind of the extent of my knowledge. And so um, talked with them at the career fair, gave them a resume. And then it was really a pretty quick um, by the end of the week, I had um, a phone interview and was hired on um, shortly thereafter um, as part of the uh, intern program. So it was a full-time position, but I spent the first two years with the Corps rotating through all the different 
um, uh, groups within the engineering department and kind of got to learn a little bit about what each of the group did, each of the groups do, and just got to experience a lot of different things. Uh, so you're you're a structural you're a structural engineer, correct? Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, so my degree is just civil engineer, but I I kind of focus my classes towards the structures, and then since working with the core, all my focus has been on the structures. Okay. So that's that's kind of the the discipline that you've kind of uh, focused on, at least as of late, right? Yes. So yeah. What uh? So what year was that when you when you came to work for the core? That would have been uh, three and a half years ago. So twenty eighteen. Okay. Yeah. So you're still at the front end of your career. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so what have you? What do, What do you do right now in the uh, in infrastructure support section? So I do um I do all the hydraulic steel structures inspections, and so I got certified right when I joined the core to use uh, rope access, and so it's a it's a technique that we use to inspect a lot of our um, tainer gates and into our wet wells where. Um, it's, it's kind of similar to rappelling, but you can go up and down um, all on a two-rope system. And so I got plugged into that pretty early and um, have kind of kind of taken over that side of the inspection program. So I work on scheduling those and then performing the inspections and then writing those reports. And then another, another role I do is um, with the um, PI and PA, which is periodic inspection and periodic assessment. Um, that each of our dams go through every five years. Um, I go on all those site visits and then help write uh, some of the chapter three, especially, um, and just go into kind of in detail over all of the the structural aspects of the dam. So from uh, the gates to the gallery to the just the concrete in general and any of the pertinent structures. How long does it take to to do an inspection? or assessment of a dam? I mean, just the, the visual and, and mm-hmm. being there at the structure. So during the either the, the PI as the, the main site visit, um, it depends on the structure, but um, we normally take about two, maybe three days, depending on which structure it is and how big it is. And part of that the inspection process, we'll walk the entire dam, the entire embankment, both upstream and downstream side, um, we'll walk through the galleries if there are galleries at that structure. Um, depending upon the place, we'll walk up the conduit if there is one. Um, and so that's a, a two-day process. But um, ahead of those inspections, um, that's where we'll do like the Tainer Gate inspection. We typically will try to do about six months before that big periodic inspection um, is due just because it takes, um, again, it depends on the size of the structure, but we can normally do um, two people can do about four tainer gates in a day, and so um, anywhere from one day to I mean at Fort Gibson it took a full week of and we had six people inspecting um, the tainer gates where we're crawling around over I mean within an ar- arm's distance of every aspect of the gate. Yeah, those are big gates, and there's a lot of them. Yes. At Fort Gibson. Yeah, right? Fort Gibson has thirty gates. It's our largest project. I think they're like 20 by 35 or something, right? Or um, something. I, I mean, maybe yeah. it's 35 by 50. I don't know. But. Yeah, they're all right in that size. Hugo are our tallest gates and at 50 foot tall, um, okay. but they're all around that anywhere from 25 foot tall to about 50 foot tall. And, and there's about what, like six gates or eight gates at Hugo? Are there even that many? Um, I think there's 
four gates. Four you, gates? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they've got a, a relatively, like, uh, relatively speaking, a release amount is, is a, a little bit small, yeah. Yeah, especially compared to like a Fort Gibson or a yeah. So Fallard. a lot narrower of a spillway, but like I said, they're the tallest gates we have, mm -hmm. and so they actually have four main girders, whereas most of ours have either two or three. What's the most interesting part about of your work? What are you finding is the most interesting part of it? Well, I think. Um, you know, as soon as I graduated, I, I joined on and started all the rotations and just getting to see a different aspect of each group and what they do. Um, but I think the most interesting part to me is how much time I get to spend in the field doing hands-on inspection work. And I mean, the fact that I get paid to hang from ropes and climb over chainer gates, um, it's just, it's really enjoyable from from my side, I like being outdoors. I like being active. And I mean, I guess if I really would have stopped and thought about it when I was in college, like, yeah, I knew that things had to be inspected and that required somebody going on site hands on. But I guess I am more imagined doing a lot more math and hard calculations. And um, really, I, I mainly do inspection work and rep writing reports and, and things of that nature. Um, Sometimes I do some calculations, but a lot of it is is more um, the report writing and inspections. What, um, did you did you do any repelling before you came to work for the Corps? No, I didn't. I mean, I I'd gone just rock climbing indoors at like climb Tulsa a couple of times, but nothing nothing like this. Com completely different. So uh, did they? Did you did you go to like a class or something, or did you mm -hmm. just learn it on the job? Did they? Yeah, do you do like a Swiss seat or whatever? Or? Uh, no, so it's um, yeah. I went to a two a week long course. Um, uh, it was yeah. It was the first month of being with the Corps. I had talked to David Jarvis, and he was like, "Yeah, if you like, you know, being active and outdoors, and you, this sounds interesting to you." He was like, "Look at this YouTube video. Like, does that look like something that you'd be interested in?" And I was like, "Yeah, it looks like a ton of fun." And so, um. A couple weeks later, I was at a training course put on uh, by RopeWorks and the Society of Professional Rope Access Technicians. In it was in Biddeford, Maine, and so I was at a class that was it was four days of hands-on learning, doing the activities, and then the fifth day was the test. And so it was about it took about four hours of, of physical testing of making sure you know all your skills. Um, there's a also a written portion where you have to know like the theories kind of behind why your tools work the way they do and how to keep yourself safe and like um, your clearance distances and like where your devices should be positioned just to keep you safe on the job site. Properly inspecting your ropes. Exactly. Inspecting your ropes, inspecting your equipment. Did you do knots? Yep. Did some knots. Uh, learned all those. Uh, luckily, uh, David Jarvis had taught me the, like, we mainly use four basic knots. Um, and so he had taught me those beforehand just so I was familiar with those just because there, there are so many new techniques and things that you're learning. He was like, if you can get just these four knots down before going, like that kind of gives you a little bit of a step ahead. Just did so, it? Yeah. And it really did. Cause um, there was, I think five other people in that class with me and I think one or two of them had done were they were recertifying, and so they knew how to do everything. But of the new people going in as a level one, I think I was a little bit ahead just just in knowing those knots. As wow. simple as it sounds, yeah. 
Now, you don't have a problem with heights at all, I take it. Right? Yeah, no problem with heights. And, uh, yeah, so I I just recertified um, this summer as a level two. And so as a level two, um, you learn a few new techniques and you start building towards um, every job site has to have a level three over overseeing the project and running the overall safety. And so I think that's kind of the goal ultimately is to to get my level three certification and be able to run that job site because uh, right now in the core of engineers um, nationwide, I don't believe we have any level threes. Oh, really? Yeah. So we always have to contract that out or we've been working with the, the Bureau of Reclamation recently to to have them assist. I know. I I didn't. I don't think I've ever seen you guys out there repelling. When, <laughs> um, so now do you do like walking along the tainer gate? <laughs> You're like walking on the tainer gate? Yeah. Like, yeah. So uh, typically we set up our um, anchorage system up on the top using the, uh, the hoist equipment just because, I mean, that's all huge bomb proof. I mean, there's always a lot of places to anchor off of. And then from the machinery platforms, we drop over that railing and typically we'll drop to that top girder. And we'll kind of walk along the top girder and then back into suspension and drop down and kind of pull yourself along out the strut arms and just slowly kind of work your way kind of node to node each of the um, bracing points where they tie in. And then when you get to the next girder, I mean, you're still attached to the system, but you can kind of walk along the girder and yeah. So do you guys use a um, you use like a a, a, a repelling uh, belt and or seat or whatever as opposed to like doing a uh, like a, a the rope seat or how do you so it's a full body harness yeah yeah harness mm-hmm. right. cool that's that's really awesome I had no idea that we were even doing stuff like that yeah yeah I hadn't I hadn't seen it that's weird in like six years I hadn't seven six or seven years I hadn't hadn't seen that mm-hmm. so um. Wow, you've kind of answered like my first four questions just like that. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you what would you say is like some misconceptions that people have about engineering, especially what you do? Yeah, I think people just assume engineers sit behind the computer all day running spreadsheets and punching numbers in or, you know, using 3D modeling software and just are stuck behind the computer, but like I've said, I mean, a lot of my time is spent either outdoors, you know, doing the inspection. And then, I mean, yes, there's always going to be that report writing right. portion of it. You, there's no way to get around that. I mean, you can do as many inspections as you want. But if if no end product is generated, then inspection information dies there where it, it can't be passed on unless you get it written down on paper and in visual pictures. We take probably, I would say at least 80 to 120 photos of every gate when we're doing a tainer gate inspection. So, I mean, we document, we don't document every tiny little flaw, but I mean, we, we, we document it heavily. Yeah. You said six people at Gibson took mm-hmm. about what a week. Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. Like the full seven days or like five days, uh, like five seven, days. Five yeah. days yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's like 30, I think 30 mm-hmm. gates or 30 40 gates, gates or yeah. so out 30. there. So, yeah. Okay. So thirty gates. So mm-hmm. you guys go over each of those gates with a, a pretty pretty thorough look. Yeah. I mean, we're we t- we carry with us um like a wire brush, um like a paint scraper, tape measure, 
and a hammer typically are the tools that we have on our in our tool toolkit and and so yeah if you see some corrosion you're you're taking that wire brush out and you're scraping it away or you're you're taking the paint scraper and removing any um we get a lot of bird droppings and yeah. dirt and debris and so you have to clean that area that way you can see the the metal underneath and see is this weld cracked is it is it not and i mean for the most part they're not which is great <laughs> now did you did you inspect the robert s kerr gates before we started that project to rehabilitate those gates yeah so that's um uh I've gone down there a couple of times, either myself or David Jarvis. Um, that's who I work the most closely with. Uh, we kind of have, I mean, similar roles where mm -hmm. um, we're doing a lot of these inspections. And so um, I've gone down a number of times to both Weber's and Kerr um, as the contractors get to the next stage. Um, they've marked up on the gate, okay, these are the members that meet the criteria laid out in the specs um, to be replaced or repaired. And so they bring us in and we'll look through and say, uh, I know this, this isn't quite the quarter inch of section loss, but if we extend this up another foot, that'll make your job welding easier because it, it takes you out of a crunched over, bent over position and we'll ultimately get a better quality um, product out of it by, you know, adding that foot. And in the grand scheme of things, a foot of extra metal is pretty negligible. And so if it if it means we get a better quality weld and a better quality um, product, that's well worth it. So the gates are one area that you're looking at. What other areas of the structures are you are you all yeah. focused on? So I've talked mainly about Tainer Gate so far. Um, but uh, And just for people who don't know, the Tainer Gate is essentially a floodgate. I mean, that's what the commonly referred to as a flood floodgate, yeah. but we call it a Tainer gate or a radial radial arm gate is also right something that they commonly get called they're a, a portion of a cylinder basically so you have that radial skin plate that is a, attached back to a trunnion pin with uh, strut arms um, but we also look at um, slide gates um, sluice gates for conduits for conduits yeah and so and the conduit itself will walk up the conduit looking at all of the the joints in the conduit um, I mean, they're all going to have a little bit of seepage here and there, but have to inspect it, make sure that that amount of seepage hasn't changed from five years ago when it was looked at last. Um, we also inspect uh, whenever operations dewaters still in basins, we'll assist them in inspecting um, the floor and around the baffle blocks and, and things of that nature. When you're inspecting a, a structure that has a conduit, mm -hmm. like, say, Texoma or... Um, what's the one? Is it is it Fall River has a conduit? I think um, in, in Kansas has. There's there's quite a there's few. There's quite that a few. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Pat like, Mays is one we did just a few months ago. That, that's such a small conduit. Though, it is. Right? Like, yeah. So you can't climb it. You climb in there. So it's it's about I think it's I want to say it's seven and a half foot diameter. Oh, yeah. It well, doesn't looks, seem that big. Right. Yeah. We I mean we pulled up. So you and, can walk in there. Yeah. You can walk. You can walk like standing stand up. up. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's about seven and a half foot. But yeah, when we pulled up, um, one of the other guys on, on the periodic inspection was like, oh, there's no way we can do that, right? Are, are we going to crawl up that? And I was like, no, it's the, the ass built show it seven and a half foot. And then once you walk up to the yeah. structure, like, oh, yeah, it's bigger than it looked from farther yeah. away. Yeah. Like I have, a, I have a memory of it from one of the floods, mm -hmm. well, from 15. And mm -hmm. my memory of it seems to be that it was like, 
really small, but you know, I may be even getting it confused with um, Hayburn and Spalpa. That's mm-hmm. I don't think that's a seven foot. I don't know if that. Yeah, I don't know right off the it, top. It seems a lot smaller uh-huh. to me, but um, so you 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 walk in there. Um, is there one that's that is more cramped that you've had to crawl through? Um, Are there any that you've had to crawl through? None so far that I've had to do. Um, yeah, right off. I can't think of any smaller than about seven foot diameter. Um, that's not saying that we don't have any. But right. Yeah. Can you talk about what that experience is like knowing that there's all that water and weight? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's 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 there. It's safe. I mean, mm-hmm. does it does it ever do you ever feel anything like a little creeped out about being in that kind of an environment i think the probably the strangest feeling is uh, in the powerhouses so we'll do inspections of the the pen stocks and um, we don't do the the turbine inspections right. we leave that to the hydropower guys because i mean they're yeah. in and around it every day um but some of the some of the gates that we look at the easiest way to access them is going in through the pen stocks um Climbing up, so um, Broken Bows. Uh, it's about I want to say it's just over a thousand feet from where you enter mm-hmm. um, to walk upstream, and it's about a I want to say it's about twenty foot diameter conduit, and it's at an eleven or twelve percent slope, and so it's really really challenging to walk up, which you want to think. So you're going up, yeah, because yeah. you're entering from the 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 release side or whatever, uh-huh, or at from least the from the powerhouse, powerhouse yeah. side. So you're walking up to the lake. Yeah. And it's, you're like, you look at it on the asphalt, you're like, oh, 11, 12%. That's not that bad. But there's an inch or two of water yeah. flowing at your feet and algae and it's slippery, super slick. And so uh, we tried, not all of our group made it up. Um, <laughs> you'd make it up halfway and you'd slip and you'd slide <laughs> a couple hundred feet down this water slide, basically. Oh, wow. And I mean, it, it was a ton of fun. But like, those, Wait, is it concrete? It's concrete, right? Uh, it's steel lined. Is it steel? Okay, yeah. okay. But it's not like it's not like the like a tin horn. I mean, it doesn't right. have those ridges, no. right? Yeah, it's perfectly just smooth. smooth. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, I mean, it's it turns into a giant water slide, which, like I said, it, it's a lot of fun, but it it was challenging to get up. I mean, I think two or three of the people that had gone with us, a couple of people from ops, and um, just weren't able to make it up or a couple didn't try because because they saw all of us they're like getting no. up and sliding yeah and really <laughs> as long got time for that yeah as long as either myself or david jarvis made it up because we were the two structurals that were there to inspect um and mallory harvey was also with us as long as one of us made it up to do the inspection and one of the ops guys just so we could ask questions that's who really needed to make it up but i mean everybody wanted to to see it but that was probably when you're in those powerhouses and you you realize like I'm underground in a giant tunnel and there's one gate ahead of me holding back, you know, a hundred foot ahead. It's like, right. yeah, this is a little creepy. And the only light you have is your headlamp. Right. And so, yeah, there's three or four streams of light from, you know, the other people with you, but yeah, it's just a, a different experience for sure. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you be honest? Did you like, did you, did you take a take a slide intentionally? Uh, not intentionally, but I, <laughs> I mean, so after we made it up and looked at the head gates, we, I mean, the easiest way down is to slide. slide. I mean, there's no walking down. And so I guess that was an intentional slide down. 
Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> I bet that was sort of fun at the end. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're in full chest waders. And, right. Because when you enter, you walk past the, the butterfly valve and it got to probably about waist deep water um, before it shallowed back out. And so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. You have water splashing up around you and it's, I mean, virtually pitch black. It's just, I mean, your headlamp in this massive tunnel doesn't make a huge difference except for right directly in front of you. But have, yeah. Have you repelled the gates over at, at Tinkiller? Yeah. On that spillway? Uh-huh. We've done. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? Like the, the view? Yeah. So we did that. That was one of my first um, inspections with rope access, um, and it was in the fall. And I have, uh, we also did the bridge inspection um, using rope access. Uh, they have beam rollers, and I have a, a fantastic photo. It's one of my favorite photos. It's me and David Jarvis hanging from the beam rollers on the bridge looking downstream, and you have all the fall colors behind, and it just, oh, wow. it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful setting. Wow. Yeah. I'd love to see that photo. Did you take it with your, your camera? I mean, uh, your phone, I mean? Uh, somebody on the catwalk took okay. it. Well, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I I just had no idea we were even doing stuff like that. Like, I've, I've seen the, the sniffer do the bridge inspections. Yeah, yeah. The sniffer truck. Yes. But um, I hadn't. I hadn't been aware about the, the repelling and, and everything. That's amazing. Yeah, I think David Jarvis started about probably close to six years ago doing mm-hmm. it. And then um, has had a couple other people um, come and help and get certified. And then we've used uh, Philadelphia District has a team and St. Louis has a team. And so we've brought them in on different projects to help Um now, how many how many people do we have who are certified to repel to do that type the rope stuff? Mm-hmm. So it'd be David Jarvis, myself, um, Jared Brewer, and Mark Harvey, okay. and I think four. Yeah, just the four of us. Um, Captain Knowles. Oh, I didn't know. Did yeah. did do it with us um, before he got his promotion and right. moved on. And then there's it's been a too couple good for that. It's yeah. too good for that repelling stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple other um, active duty people that have come and been been uh, certified for a little bit, and then you know they have to move on. And so, um, yeah. But there's mainly just the four of us that that do those inspections. And how many do you all do in a in a year, roughly? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it depends on the year, but um, about. Four four or five a year, um, just depending on the, the periodic inspection uh, calendar. Um, but yeah, about four. So we typically do two in the spring and two in the fall because you want to do it when the – you can't do it really in the summer when the gates are blazing hot. It right. just becomes challenging to maneuver around, and no one wants to climb when it's icy and cold. Uh, my first inspection was at uh, Marion Spillway, and it rained on us the entire time we were inspecting. Um, anywhere from, I mean, it, it went from a light rain at the start to, I mean, a pretty pretty solid, not downpour, but it, it was raining. We were soaked yeah. all the way through, and we did, it was myself and David Jarvis did those three gates in one day soaking wet. <laughs> And yeah, you were probably ready, like, we're not coming back here tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> we want to get, get this done, now. go back to the hotel, 
take take a night and then <laughs> drive home and then drive home yeah what uh how does that weather how does weather in fact impact the ropes and the equipment yeah so um when the ropes get wet you do have a little bit more stretch we use static rope so it's different than what you'd use in for like rock, rock climbing. climbing um those are dynamic ropes and you want that stretch when you're climb or when you're like rock climbing that way if you take a fall it, that absorbs a lot of your impact um we use static rope because when we're when we're climbing up on the rope, it goes through a chest ascender and a hand ascender, and you want as little stretch as, as possible there just because mm -hmm. as you climb up, you bounce just a little bit. And so with a dynamic rope, you lose a lot of the, like, the energy ends up going into the rope instead of into you moving up and down. But when they get wet, they stretch a little bit, um, and then the steel structure gets slick, and so you really have to... Um, trust your system and and wait into the system more than walking on the gate itself. Do you do you have to have like a hand as a handbrake behind you all the time? Like, um, so whenever you're descending, it runs through an ID, um, and that's your main lowering device. Okay. And so yeah, you always have a hand on the on the brake end of that rope when you're descending. But you don't have to have it behind you necessarily. No, because like, okay. it, it's a um, it's a closed system where okay. it has a smooth cam that pinches the rope, and you have the handle. And as you open the handle more, you can go a little faster. But if you let go of that handle, it it closes and and stops you from going. So if you oh, were wow. to slip, it would automatically catch you. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt a little bit nervous aside from like where you were on a where you were on a job like doing an inspection and you're um, like was it all pretty safe, huh? Yeah, it's all it's all very, very safe. Um since we run the two rope system, you're always on a main line and then you have a backup device. So if anything were to happen to your main line, um your backup device would catch you. Um and so there's never been a uh, a moment where I was scared from that aspect. Uh, at at Ten Killer, there was a there was quite a few wasps on the gate. Oh, yeah. Like I mean, there there's the little bit of fear there. Like okay, you drop over this edge and you accidentally kick a wasp nest. Uh, we have cans of spray with us when we did that one, but it was like yeah, the quickest way down is I mean just descend to the the deck. And luckily at Ten Killer, you can walk on the spillway because mm -hmm. um, it's dry most of the time. And so, like, there was an escape plan if we got into wasps. But that's really the only thing I can think of that was kind of um, a little bit frightening. Now, are you also doing the embankment inspections and walking the... So, yeah, I joined the PI team when we do that um, just because we stick as a, a group. Um, but the geotechs and geologists kind of lead that. But, um, I mean, I've gone through dam safety training and and gone on enough of them that I know what I'm looking for when I'm walking the embankment and the riprap that I can help just be an extra set of eyes. But that's that's kind of someone else's specialty. Okay. Yeah. So you you guys pretty much specialize in the 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 concrete or the steel and steel and concrete. concrete. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also like like you brought up earlier, we assist uh the construction and in, in doing um those type of inspections. Uh in the infrastructure support section that I'm part of, um, uh, Jarvis has been very involved with the Ufala Bridge replacement mm -hmm. and going down and, and providing uh, inspections when they need it and kind of helping answer all of the RFIs that come in on the structure side of that. Have you gone down there recently to the Ufala um, Bridge work project? It's been a little while since I've been there. Uh, 
I was able to go down for one of the night placements of the ultra high performance concrete. And then I think I've been back one time since then. Um, so I've seen it with all of the deck panels on. And so, I mean, for the most part, it's, it really looks like a bridge the last time I saw it. Whereas, you know, in the early stages, there's catwalks were up, but no structure above it. Yeah. I went the first night. I think it was okay. the first night pour they mm -hmm. had in, I guess they're they're pretty much done pouring or yeah they by now they're done they're done okay. with everything because I think I was I went to the second to last night pour okay and that's been a couple months ago so oh, yeah. wow yeah they got yeah. it all wrapped up that stuff is it's really amazing how just just I don't know just just what that what that stuff is able to do in terms of its strength and yeah and it looks like when they're pouring it it looks nothing like traditional concrete no. it it looks more like a Pancake batter. Yeah, batter. Yeah. That's, that's how, yeah. Thick and kind of gloopy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's not a technical yeah. word, but. Yeah, and, and they've got all those, um, I mean, you see the little. The, the little steel fibers. Steel fibers. Mm -hmm. It's just, I mean, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an amazing, that's an amazing project. It's an, it's, it's amazing what they're doing with the, you know, looking at <clears throat> how they, they, what's the term they use? They, 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 um. How they basically get the get the um, the panels to bond to together. Bond. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's another word I was looking looking for, and I can't think of what it is offhand. But yeah, and I yeah. Think this is the the largest use of the ultra high performance concrete in Oklahoma. I know it's been used in the same type of application um, in the Northeast a little bit, but in, in Oklahoma, the, that's the largest and first use of this type. Where they're using it to bond the panels together. Um, will how long will it be once that project's finished before you guys go inspect it? Will you will you help out with the final inspection for that before it's released? Or so we have a couple people in our um, in our group that are on the bridge side. So we have a bridge program manager, and so they that group will kind of inspect that um, as a final inspection once um, once they've the contractor has said, all right, we're done. Um, they'll go out and inspect and make a punch list of all the any little outstanding items. What uh, what what advice would you have for someone who's right out of college or you know just just finished their engineering degree? What advice would you have for them as far as determining what they want to do with engineering, um, or where they want to work or go? Yeah, and then that's part of the reason I picked to join the core is because I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, and so um, after hearing about the the intern program where you rotated groups, I was like, it's a really good idea because I mean I got exposure to all the different groups and got to see the military design side, I got to see the civil work side, I got to see even more of this inspection side. Um, I did a few months at the construction office. Um, I did a few months at in operations. And so just getting to see all those different sides of things was really nice to help me determine like, eh, I didn't love that aspect of this group, but I really enjoyed this. And so it was almost like I, in that first two years, I had five or six different jobs all within the core. And I, so that that's what drew me to the core and helped me decide, yeah, this is where I want to work. And then knowing that there's, opportunity for a lot of, you know, internal movement and even, I mean, to other districts. I mean, you see all the time 
job postings coming out. Um, and so just having that flexibility and that really helped me determine that I wanted to be part of the infrastructure group and do a lot of inspection work. Was that, was that an eye opener about just how much variety of, I mean, you're working in, in infrastructure right now mm -hmm. and, and you're doing inspections, but if they needed you to do a detail somewhere else, they could ask you to go work over at dam safety or somewhere mm -hmm. else. And you could be doing something, you know, you're working on a project delivery team. And right. Is that, or have you done any project delivery team work yet? Um, so I've done some like reviews of, um, like they're right now they're doing uh, a design for taint, 10 killers, uh, main spillway, tainer gate rehab. And so reviewing those and then, um, I assisted with um, an IES, which is an issue evaluation study down at Denison. Um, so it went through the SQRA, which is a semi-quantitative risk analysis to determine, you know, how much risk does this dam have and what can we tolerate? And so I was able to uh, assist in analyzing the uh, spillway, the auxiliary spillway at Denison to, to see the stability of the monoliths there. And so... I have done some, like, you know, actual, what what most people think of actual engineering and calculations. And so I was able to do that analysis. And that was, it was nice because it was different than, you know, out inspecting. I mean, I love inspecting, but it was nice to, to resharpen those tools of, you know, like, running numbers. Now, you said you, you have to pretty much schedule your inspect, your dam inspections for, you want to do them in the fall where it's a little, it's just cool enough so that the, the gates aren't too hot. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also weather stuff too, with like yeah. what rain and, you know, mm -hmm. there's more, it's more, you're more likely to get rain at different times of year. So yeah. you do most of those in the fall and you have like, what is your window for, for completing your inspections each year? Um, so for the, for the rope access inspections, we really focus on, um, later in the fall or early in the spring, okay. um, which we always schedule at least one extra day of, yeah, we think it's going to take three days, but, um, we're going to book four days because you never know with rain or um, if the gates are in really bad shape, they take a little longer to inspect um, just because you're, you're taking a lot more photos and you're making more notes and detailed um, like measurements of, oh, there's, you know, section loss or pitting or more cracks, which, I mean, we don't see many cracks. We see a lot of corrosion just because structures are in water all the time. They're, they're going to corrode. And so, um, we always, always try to build in some extra buffer time. Does it typically take about a day to do a gate to, to, or a day? Can you get like two done in a day typically or just? So we typically will pair up in two, two people per like little team and two people can do um, three, maybe four gates if, if they're hustling and the gates are in good quality and, um, it just goes quicker if they're in good shape and they're clean. That makes a big difference if, um, if like the operations guys can power wash the gates, you know, even a month or two ahead of us, that really helps um, the inspection go quicker. Yeah, because the bird stuff just, I mean, it can get ridiculous, it, right? Yeah, it gets, it gets Especially bad. Especially during cormorant season, right? Yeah, it, it can get real bad. And, I mean... To do the inspection, you have to be able to see the steel, so you have to spend that time of scraping and off. brushing it away. Yeah. Well, so when you have a conduit, a gate with a conduit, mm -hmm. or a conduit with a gate, I guess, mm -hmm. 
Um, so like, say Denison or even Pat Mays. Mm -hmm. Well, Pat Mays has that open. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They've got that morning glory thing. Mm -hmm. So it, if it gets to a certain level, it comes out, but like Denison where you can open it and close Mm -hmm. it. How do you, how do you inspect the lakeside portion of the conduit? Obviously you can, you can inspect the side that's, how do you inspect the other side? So, uh, the conduit, um, they'll use uh, an ROV, a remote-operated vehicle. It's like a little remote control mini submarine oh, okay. to look at the upstream side of the structure. Um, but, at, I mean, in most places you'll have um, multiple gates. You'll have like an emergency gate and then a service gate. Uh-huh. And so you can set the emergency gate and pull the um, operational gate all the way out and look at upstream and downstream side. And then you can put that one in place and pull the emergency gate up and look all around it. And so there'll just be a kind of a chamber in between that stays watered. And so like of the the structure, yeah, there is a little bit of that concrete that on the upstream side that you can never see in the dry, but that's what the ROVs can, can be used for. So those, and those are, those are remotely piloted. They're not, you're not down there. A person's not down there. Correct. Yeah. yeah. They're operated from the surface and um, the infrastructure branch just uh, either they just got one or they're in the they're in the process of of getting one um, to use in-house because it had been contracted out. And so we're we're um, developing that capability in-house and and just bring more work in-house. When you're when you're in a, a conduit, is there you don't have to worry about the bends or anything like that, do you? Is there any pressure? From... No. Okay. Yeah, everything we do is in the dry. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, Ian, I, what have I not asked you that you were maybe hoping or thinking that I might ask you Man, um... before we, we sat down for this interview? Like, what were you expecting me to ask you or hoping I would ask you that I haven't asked you today? Uh, right off, I can't really think of anything. I think we've covered... A majority of, I mean, a majority of what my day-to-day life looks like in inspecting and writing reports and, I mean, looking through photos of old reports and, I mean, before a, a PI or a PA, you spend a lot of time, you know, looking at the previous year's reports and saying, okay, they noted, you know, some seepage at this location. We need to check out and make sure that it hasn't changed or if it has changed what else has changed what are other um like influence factors that could have made that change is the pool you know last year they they inspected and the pool was down five foot below normal and this year we're you know into the flood pool and so like you you have to look at all those different things and i mean we're looking at um construction photos when we do a, a periodic assessment we'll spend um from when when the dams were constructed yeah so really and you can you can pick up stuff just at looking at those. Yeah. So for the for the periodic assessment, which is um, conducted every ten years, um, we'll bring in um, one person at least from each discipline. So um, me from structures, and then um, a geotech or two, a geologist or two, and we all get together in a room and brainstorm um, probable failure modes. Oh and wow. So we spend about about a week, a full week, um, coming up with ways that we think it could fail um, based on, you know, if, if they've seen seepage, it said, okay, there could be um, backwards erosion piping in this area. There could be a flaw 
in um, where the closure, closure section is back from original construction. And so it does take looking at those original photos to see, okay, they did use a, a sheep's foot roller and we can see that that's on site and um, we know that they excavated this out to rock because you can see photos of it. And so, yeah, we're looking back at, you know, 50, 60, 70 year old photos and black and white photos. Oh, wow. And so that's been really interesting sometimes is you pull up a photo from one of those earlier built dams and to see the equipment they have and what they were able to build. It's, it's kind of mind blowing sometimes. Yeah. That's, that's, that is, that is kind of interesting because you don't, it's just amazing to me. You can you can look at a snapshot in time, mm-hmm. look at that photograph, and pick out potential areas of up, oh, <laughs> like I caught that. So when when you're looking at those previous reports, that helps you prioritize what you want to look at first, or what you think is mm-hmm. really important that you look at yeah. based on previous discrepancies or or things that they noted or yeah, when I, or weren't were unable to really yeah and historical seepage like if there's an area that which this isn't really on the structure side but if there's an area of the dam that eh, this area is always wet whenever the mm-hmm. pool gets above x elevation that's something that you know on that two or three days that we're on our site visit it could right. be dry or it could be you know it could have just rained the week before. And so everywhere is a little bit wet. Mm-hmm. And so it takes looking through the past reports and then talking with the, the operations personnel that are on site, you know, day in and day out and saying, okay, higher pools, are you seeing this? Um, is this is this area always wet? Is it just, you know, after it rains, it holds some surface water? Or is it like, you know, in the middle of June, July, is this wet? Because that's that's more indicative. There could be a little bit of a problem there because that could, where's that water coming from? Even though you grew up in Oklahoma, you grew up in Stillwater, went to school at uh, Oklahoma State. Did you did you know that you were? Um, did you know about how many structures we had in the district? And or was was it a surprise to you that? No, it's definitely a surprise, and just like the fact that Tulsa district covers into you know the southern part of kansas and the northern part of texas like i mean that's just something that i never would have known and i didn't know like how lakes were organized it was just like oh this is a core lake here this is a core lake there and it it, i never really spent the time to think like oh yeah those are all you know that managed and engineered out of the same location but it i mean it wouldn't make sense to have you know multiple engineers at small lakes it's like yeah of course, they're going to be maintained and inspected from one, you know, one office location is going to have the expertise in-house to say, yep, we've got geotechs, we've got geologists, we've got structural guys, we've got, you know, this, that, and the other, and be able to say, yeah, we can we can pull together a team to come out and look at a dam and, and hit every aspect and cover every aspect of it. Is there a dam that's your favorite? Ooh, um... I really enjoy all the Kansas projects. I just, like, sometimes it's a pain to have to drive, you know, three hours, three and a half hours away. Um, but in the Kansas, they always keep, they keep them really clean. They, from the inspections I've done, they do a good job at maintaining projects, um, which, I mean, everybody, every, everywhere does well. But they're just always on top of things. If you point something out, you, I've had good confidence in saying, okay, if, if I point this out as an issue that the next time I come out, 
they'll at least have a plan together if they haven't fixed it yet. And right. so it's just, and the people are always very nice and it's just, it's a good relationship, a working relationship with the Kansas projects. And those southeastern ones are kind of shaded, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems like it. Well, Ian, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit Absolutely. down and talk to us, um, especially as we we get through engineer Engineers Week. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you again for for sitting down and, and talking to us and explaining what it's like being a structural engineer and engineering instru- construction yeah. and um, at the Tulsa District. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for Core Construction. Core Construction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. This episode of Core Construction was brought to you by Engineering and Construction. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.